Welcome to Essie's Hour of Love. Welcome. So if you are, if this is the first time you're tuning in to Essie's Hour of Love, it is we interview a different person each episode about their personal experience with love and guys whatever that may be whatever that may be right it could be self-love it could be god knows um we're learning yeah it's getting (laughs) broader and broader there are many levels of love yeah and but i also want to say it is an open conversation we don't really edit it like this isn't a this american life where it's chopped and 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 pieced together Mm, to give you like Fabric. We're not creating a story based on an interview. We're going into it and the story kind of happens. Happens, yeah. So, um, very cash. Very cash. But this episode, episode 33, Samara Hodgson is... We've actually had it for a while now. I recorded it when I was back in Australia about three months ago. Yeah. Um, you, you prepped me before you went. You said you wanted to do this episode and you were excited, but you weren't quite sure in the sense of, like, would she be open to open discussing? To it. Also, it's the first time I've done an, an episode outside, like, in Australia, like, oh. when I've gone home. And I'm in a very different, like, mental space. Uh, and You're not in, in your little environment. Yeah, it's, it, it feels different. But although I'm from Perth or Margaret River, Western Australia, and I did this interview in Melbourne, so it was sort of slightly separated. But um, anyway, she... This is Sam. Was, I was two, there two days before she was about to meet the man who was going to be the donor of her, of her child. And so I was there at a very um, important, special time for her, and I was able to sit her down and get her to take us through this it had journey. To be very emotional. It was, you know, it was, but she was not in, good, in like a sad way. And I felt really lucky yeah. to, to be able to um, capture this, capture this moment, and and for her to really explain the process that she's gone through and and, and the years of coming to this point. But also, like, personally, as, like, a single chick that I am who has been to the gynecologist and they've said... Get going. Yeah, like, have <laughs> you thought about adoption? Have you thought about all this other stuff? And I'm like, hang on a second. It's such a weird conversation. You're Is not that, expecting. Well, You're you, like, I have all the time in the world. No, I don't. Yeah, and so to sit, to sort of sit down and hear someone, a, a close friend of mine's journey of, of going through all that um, was... It wasn't hard for me, but it, it definitely was like there may be a point where I'm, I may You're have to consider this. other options or not. Who knows? But also, what was kind of crazy, and I didn't know this when I was interviewing, but I was a when I was in Australia, Melbourne was the second stop. I ended up staying with ten different people while I was in Australia, and three of them were pregnant. Um, I went out for two coffees where friends told me that they just had a miscarriage. And I also had a friend back in America who was pregnant and sort of found out that she may have cervical cancer while she was pregnant and that had all these different things. So I'm definitely entering an era where this is more common and yeah, that people are experiencing this. And, and this is like 50 different things that yeah. you could be experiencing. Um, so uh, it's uh, definitely a new era. In yeah. our in our lives, um, so uh, it was anyway. It it felt very sort of special and timely. Uh, I do want to acknowledge that 
we were at Sam's house and her dog wouldn't leave us alone. So beautiful um, Soda had to sit on the bed with us while we recorded. So if you do hear some snuffling sounds, you. it's not me. I don't breathe like that. Oh, it, okay. is, um, it is the dog. Uh, and I do want to say that um, it all worked out. So after you listen to Amazing. the episode, you'll understand a little bit more what we're talking yeah. about. Um, As always, guys, we love your feedback. Like, rating is great. Reviews, we love them. Send them to our email, essieshouroflove at gmail.com. And please subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. Okay, enjoy. Enjoy. Loving anyway. Come and find me. I don't care. start with saying how are you even like what's your short what's your elevator pitch of what's going on with you right now um I am saying that I am currently trying to get pregnant with a donor dad dad is a real trigger word though for a lot of people so and it's one I'm having trouble stamping out of my language so trigger dad as in that means you're having sex with him, or that means he's... Because <laughs> that's, what, both ways, that's right? what everyone's been... When I sort of say, oh, my friends... And then I do a symbol of a needle, <laughs> like or a, like a turkey Yeah, turkey-based I'm like, yeah. they're like, what, he, she's just she's going to have sex with him? I'm like, no, no, like, is turkey is up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's a trigger word because uh, from all the specialists have been telling me I shouldn't be referring to him as a, uh, a partner or, or in any way um, a parent of the... So dad is a word for a parent. So the story will be for my child that they um, don't have a dad. Our family doesn't have a dad. Um, we have um, a mum, we have grandparents, we have aunties, um, but we don't have a dad. Um, you were conceived um, through a family friend who we love and care about, and he's a donor, but he's not your dad. Um, but it's a really hard word to slip out of your vocabulary because you use it to explain yeah. a connection. Um, so, And I guess that argument, not argument, I guess that discussion has been made for a really long time of even a child that has a dad, but the dad was never around. There's always that thing of like, he's still your dad. Yeah. Yeah. And but really hasn't been a father figure at all for this. Yeah, I think if we removed the title dad from any person that wasn't an active parent, I think we would find we have very few dads in the world. Right. (laughs) Um, And this is kind of, I think, what's been the easiest part of making this decision for me is when you start looking into the stories and through history, and um, there are very few active dads, you know, and um, in Western culture, We've got more and more active dads, and they're amazing, you know, but we treat them like heroes. Like, oh, my God, he's doing something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> um, and so, but I think you take it outside of Western culture, and you've very much got traditional household setups, very much got women raising it, you know, villages of women raising children. Um, so I would think that it's more normal than we acknowledge that women are raising 
the kids and so it's never been a question for me that I wouldn't be able to because I feel like all the women around me and all the people and stories I know is all are doing it anyway. women raising their kids so yeah because um, yeah. I okay so I remember f- must have been four years ago then you and I were walking around Williamsburg um, now you live in Melbourne, so you've, you've been in Melbourne for three years now, and you said, I'm considering having a child, mm. and ask, and I think you were considering asking some of your favourite men, friends, yeah. in, at that time, to, to sort of go on this journey with you. Yeah. But like, how long, when did that even come into your mind? Because even when, in four years ago when we chatted, it felt like you'd had a few years of even considering that. Yeah, I think, um, I think around 28, it was just a lot of self-reflection to be like, do I want a kid? Um, and I kind of got to the bottom of it and I was like, yeah, I think I want this more than anything. I think I want this even more than like a partner. Um, which was kind of a big moment for me to realize that was the number one priority. Um, and then I distinctly remember around that time having this horrible nightmare where I was in labour by myself and crying. I remember when I first, like, confronted that thought head-on, like, how terrified I was, you know? Um, Yeah, it was a scary thought to even think that I wouldn't be doing that with a partner. I think back then. Um, But I, I think as soon as I just let that sadness out or that narrative out um it made way for all these new narratives that I hadn't even considered you know we get told you're gonna find a guy you're gonna get married and you're gonna have kids and and as soon as you start to think maybe that's not my narrative I think it's a a terrifying moment for people but a really freeing moment because it's meant that all these other versions of life have opened up um and so, yeah, I, I started to think about it. The first stop is I talked to some gay friends. So we uh, started talking about maybe we would have family together. Um, and that just, you know, started a whole other fun conversation. Um, but I think we got to a point where I realised if you're co-parenting, you have to be really prepared for the people that you're going to co-parent with to be a big part of your kid's life. Right. And be able to let go of... Um, all of the parenting responsibility and share it and actually share it. Um, and so I think we realised as friends we probably weren't ready to be a family. Um, and so then uh, I moved home. Um, you know, it wasn't at the happiest point in my life. I was felt like something was really out of whack for me. So you're in New... So the, Sorry, so, yeah. So, so it started in New York and then... Because I want to... You and I are very good friends, and I I met Sam in New York, and you were constantly dating, trying. No, I don't want to. Say, is it trying to find someone? But you were like, it wasn't like you, because I feel like it, this could be interpreted. At Twenty eight, you were like, maybe I don't need a man, and I can have a child, and sort of. So I gave up on finding someone oh, and yeah, planned no. on having a child by myself. That was no. completely not what I was, was at the height of my sexuality, figuring out who I was. I started seeing women like. You know, I was living the New York love style um, and loving it, you know, and that part of my life was very fulfilled and very happy. Um, And I think what was happening romantically for me is the the dependence on one love to be the soul for everything. That narrative started to fall away for me as well. You know, I was 
getting so much out of my friendships. I was getting so much out of my sexual partners on so many different levels, but it wasn't fitting that one partner mold. And so that narrative was also breaking down. Yeah, I guess when it's the when the journey is you find a man, you get married and you have a child, it's, that's what it is. Yeah. And then when you're like, well, I'm not sure that's going to be my story. And then you're like, well, the story then could be anything. Yeah. And you're suddenly, yeah aware of that opportunity and space and maybe it's a little daunting um but I knew I needed to find something that made me feel less numb um and for me my source has always been my family and so I returned to Australia where my family is and um yeah definitely for a good six eight months they were being around them like made everything come to life again and, and feel good and feel right. And I think that just reinforced um, for me that family was kind of what was going to make this life of mine happy. Um, and I think it... Did you think you secretly... Not secretly. Do you think there was the hope that you would move back to Australia and meet someone and it would sort of all come together? Because there is this element of New York. You're like, it never really comes together in New York. Yeah. You know, like it, um, we've got this beautiful dog with us on the bed who's loving playing with the contraption. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Soda. Good on you, Soda. Yeah. Well, um, you know, like I think there's a lot of us in New York that would be like, well, when we come home, um, because, you know, the, the stereotypical thing is dating so hard in New York, not many people find their partner in New York. Sure. Um, and then you look back in, at everyone in your home countries and you're like, well, they all seem to have found. Mm. someone mm. so was was that a part of it as well coming home or yeah I think I was definitely hopeful that like I might meet the next big love for me um here but and I really tried like I I've I've had two partners since I've been home and both have been the perfect lots of people's idea of a perfect um like male partner like I've I've managed to find really beautiful sensitive kind giving men um uh, and both were very willing to be with me and um and uh wanting to start a family and almost like a step ahead even though I know I knew in my mind maybe that's where I wanted to get to um everyone here seemed or those partners in particular seemed very eager to jump to the next stories and the next part of the narrative um and I just I just didn't feel it, you know? And the love, if you're going to spend some time with a partner, like, you have to really, really love them. Um, and I think being having that op- opportunity right in front of me to, I guess, settle, um, again, made me feel like that's not what I want in my life. If I'm going to have love, it has to be big, real, crazy love, not this will do so I can make a child love um and it also made me really I think another light bulb moment for me is I don't even know how I got to it probably reading something inspiring but I think there's a real sense of so many women in particular out there feeling like they um are not complete without partner love and so they're feeling very empty um whereas if you can twist your thinking a bit, I've started taking great joy in examining the love um, 
that's available to me everywhere. And rather than feeling like I'm lacking love because I don't have a partner, enjoying feeling full with all the love that I actually do have and taking great joy in that. And that's just been a bit of a light bulb moment. Yeah. I do. I, I find it really... Um... I want to write something about it one day, but I don't know what the what it is yet, and hopefully one day it will come. But this idea of that you that something is missing if you are single, yeah, you know, and and just how confusing that is, and so you actually sometimes feel like you're only living heart life to eighty percent, or or fifty, like on a bad day twenty percent, and on a good day still eighty percent, because you're like. Oh yeah, but still I don't have a partner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's this surreal well, it's a very strange way to to live. I'm not sure when we got so addicted to love because I it feels like a really new concept really when you look at it historically marriage for a long time was out of convenience or and economics and, and family yeah. arrangement. So I think I feel like we've been sold really hard on this thing. And it's not fitting for everyone as we continue to kind of wake up and think about the world in new ways. This love concept's not kind of holding in the same sense. And I think we're just on the precipice of kind of really, really valuing love in its full essence. Like, yeah, I don't feel like my life is lacking for the first time in ages. I feel rich and abundant with love. Um, and about to hopefully get a whole new piece of love and a whole nother level. And yeah, when I confront people who, you know, give you that face like, oh, you're single, you're like, oh, (laughs) it's so, I don't know. It seems so old school to me. Like I definitely notice it the most from actually older men. And I, I realize it's just a generation thing now. Like when they're like, you know, but you've got a pretty face and you're like, oh, (laughs) Thank you. Uh, thanks. Or, you know, oh, better get cracking. And I sort of, I, I think that we've always kind of had these things said to us and it was so like, oh, yeah, you're right. But recently I've kind of been like, wow, what a thing to, like, what a strange thing to say to someone. Yeah. Um, and But that's just a very strong mentality that's out there. Yeah. I think people will be way more comfortable with me settling with one of those guys and having a family like even within my own family and friends it's much easier for people to swallow like she's got a partner she's having a kid regardless of how much actual love I felt for that person yeah um so yeah it sits comfortably in the mind you like yeah they're like oh she's taking care of done and dusted yeah um yeah but for me like the loves in my life have to be big in all respects family friends and and I put so much energy into those relationships because they're crucial to my happiness and when I let them run at full stretch I feel completely full like Mm. you know I'm not lacking love so what has been the actual process of your donor is arriving from New York tomorrow is it tomorrow yeah Thursday Thursday two days so how has it got to what's been the journey of getting to this point um Again, beautiful serendipity, Sam. <laughs> um, I'm a big believer in putting the energy you want out into life and it kind of coming together and in the way that it should, not always for for good, but it comes together. Um, 
So I started going through the, the systems here through Melbourne IVF. You apply, um, you start getting tested for everything under the sun, you start learning about um, all the horrific terms um, that come with being oh, like geriatric, and... geriatric uh, cervix. So if you're over 35, but I'm not quite there, but they're like, Ooh, <laughs> you're getting geriatric. Um, if you actually go through Melbourne IVF, you have to do two attempts with um, a donor that is like artificial insemination. And then um, if you don't conceive in those first two times, you're deemed socially infertile. If you're a solo, a single um, parent. Um, socially infertile. Socially infertile, um, <laughs> which then entitles me to get Speed some you're benefits. you're safe when you go to the club. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll get some benefits when I go through IVF if I don't conceive in those first two shots. Um, yeah, so then started going through that process. What about the friends first? What, like, did that come first of like, oh, maybe I know like not a gay couple that uh, I would want to do this with? Did that... Yeah, because they recently passed a law in Australia where the donor and the child exchange details when the kid turns 18 at the very minimum. So a lot of people have more relationship, but there's no anonymous donors anymore in Australia. Um, it kind of changes the game a bit. Was that because kids, no matter what, will want to find out their parents? Like even if Yeah, I think it's about searching for your identity. I also think it's a, a medical thing, like being able to catch up on oh, yeah, of things that might have come up in the family over that time. Um, yeah, but it, it's a confronting thing as a, a solo parent because you can't protect your kid from who that person might be and they might be lovely and well-intentioned. I mean, they probably are if they're donating their genetics, um, but they might just not be your kind of person. They might not share your values. They might be a little off, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in people's energies and, um. You know, you just don't know. And so I imagined this point, uh, this mystery bag of nothingness until 18, um, where we sit and have this awkward, you know, cafe lunch. <laughs> and this person might be like, nice, but he, like by that point, most donors in Australia are older gay men. Might be some 80-year-old, very uncomfortable, you know, you imagine the worst. Some right. like weird hermity guy that's got like you know, 200 kids everywhere. <laughs> like, I know they can't have that many. They're having but... a lunch once a week with all their children. Like yeah. yeah. And I, I, could, I just imagine the aftermath of that, sitting in the car with my kid and just their, all the dreams and thoughts they would have had about that part of them coming to this kind of crashing halt, being like, oh, they're not quite what I expected or hoped for. Um I wouldn't know how to explain that. Like, am I meant to back it up like another parent and be like, I'm sure he's made of good stuff and has done interesting things. Or am I meant to just acknowledge it and be like, yeah, sorry, your donor's is a bit of a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Should we love him anyway, but just only see him once a year? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I hear beautiful stories of um, people knowing their donors much earlier on and being more integrated in the life. But it, it became like me and a stranger, it became like Tinder again. And there actually yeah. there's a few apps out there, which I jumped on with a friend who's going through this as well and we started, you know, matching with people and having chats with strangers about, like, sperm exchanges and he just got very real very quickly and I felt immediately uncomfortable, um, which is unusual for me because I, I normally go with the flow. Um, and so I thought it was probably a good time. I had one friend in mind who I thought would be a great co-parent um, and 
he's at a similar age to me, I know he really wants a family, and so I approached him and um, asked him for real. We'd been joking about it for a few years, um, you know, I guess testing the waters, but sat down and asked him for reals, and um, he was beautiful. He was like, oh, I'm so honoured that you'd even want to do that with me and would consider it, and he's like, oh, you know, I definitely will think about it, and I'll think about it hard, and, and I'll get back to you. Um, what was your sort of, did you do a nice little prepared speech for him? Um, well, first I took him out for breakfast and I sat down and he's like, what's wrong? You're acting weird. Are you going to propose? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like, what the hell is happening? And I was just like, uh, you know, I, I don't even remember what I said. I think I just blanked out with nerves, but I was actually nervous around someone I've known for like, you know, 20 years. I'm suddenly behaving like a weird school kid. Um, and I remember him driving me home after the breakfast and I just burst into tears. Um, and he's like, oh, this kind of shows me the gravitas of like what this means to you. Um, and he was just really supportive, you know, and I kind of knew regardless of the outcome, he would have my back. Um, what did you think he would, did you? I really thought it was like a 50, 50 thing. Um. And it's funny because he started dating someone around that time and my friend who's on a similar journey to me, she's just started dating someone and it's it's um, amazing how quickly someone can get off their stream with the hope that they might be able to do it with a partner. And, and I get that. Um, but yeah, it, love definitely like pulls us off our, our centre and our course and that's kind of evident. So I don't know if this his partner at the time had much sway in his thinking um but he's had he's had like another year of opportunity now to throw his hand up in and, and he say, did. um so how did he I guess we all know he didn't yeah, yeah. so he he declined but it, it was just a really beautiful friend speech he was just like I he said for him I think um a partner is priority for him um which is slightly different for us yeah and um, being a guy, he gets a bit more time, you know. He's 36 and for him, he, he can wait another four, five, ten years even, you know, to find the love that is someone that he would maybe want to consider having kids with. Um, and I hear that more and more with friends now putting that relationship as the key thing they want in their life. Um and then kids being the second option to that, yeah. which also makes me really happy. I think kids shouldn't be an assumed thing. It should be something you really bloody want, like, in the depths of your soul. And if you don't want a kid that bad, you should really question it and you should really think about maybe not having one. I mean, environmentally speaking, the world would be a much better place if right. we slow our reproduction rates. Um, and I think I think people who want life without children should be celebrated and... Um, there's really interesting stuff happening here in Australia. It's kind of bubbled up that um, women who decide they don't want to have kids and want to have their tubes tied are being denied. Um, uh, they're being told that they, um, they're they not old enough often if they're, like, under 30 to make that sort of decision about their life. Um, and often there's even cases of women being post-30 having one kid wanting to tie their tubes and being told that they can't. So it's another Can interesting... Can they be told that they can't? Well, doctors refuse to do it. So uh, that for me in itself is another fascinating oh my God. discussion of like reproductive rights and 
I think we should be celebrating people that don't want to have kids and we should be supporting people that really do want to have kids and um yeah I guess I definitely feel crazy supported um by all of my community um so obviously didn't use the apps to to yeah so okay so you're going through that process you've gone to the doctors had everything checked out and now I guess you just you have to find someone well for me i was just going to go through the process so you get you get 10 options but in australia you don't get any photos or images you just get 10 little paragraphs being like here's your 10 options of who you can choose funny i think of the friends episode when monica wants to do it and there's like a huge pile of like papers where she's like what about this guy the doctor slash athlete you know and it's hard because you can get access to those american systems and so you very much start to um, which is that much wider? Through. Yeah. Like, so in America, you can get paid for donating. In Australia, it has to be a free voluntary donation. Um, and so there's just way more people in the system, and the system's a lot more mature. Whereas here, we're kind of on, in my mind, like depleted dregs. And I'm sure that's a dramatized version, but that's how it kind of feels. Because my brain went to well, at least it's not someone that just needs seven hundred dollars and not. Yeah, but you estimate. have to have your bachelor's degree in America, and oh, um, there's a, a lot standard. of there's a lot of different price ranges. Like apparently, redheads have like skyrocketed since Harry, and so <laughs> yeah. I think you can make a pretty penny if you're um, quality stock. Right. Um, whereas here, to, to gift your genetics to a stranger, I mean, even being this far through this process, it's still not something I'd be prepared to do. So it starts to make you be like, oh, okay, what? What, what does that person look like? And to me, they just must be massively generous. And, um, well, they're someone they know has gone through it or yeah. Yeah. But it's a big leap, you know, it's, it's a big leap from your everyday yeah. people in your circles. I, I don't know one person. And is it advertised donated. ever? Like donate Barely, your... not that I've seen. Yeah. I guess I'm not their target, <laughs> but, um, good point. Yeah. I just, um, you, you do start to question it. And so then I was starting to look at international banks. Um, it's much more expensive to go overseas. You didn't and like get your ten. Well, I didn't get to that point of getting uh, them. Okay. I was just exploring all options and having my ties to New York. I was like, well, I'll just pop back to New York, use my social security number, and get myself some sperm <laughs> <laughs> in Texas, but New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I. Um, then you start thinking like, oh, well, that's one shot, so I'm going to pay however much it costs for a plane fare to get to America to have one crack. And so then the the system here starts to look more and more attractive. Um, I did have a very beautiful moment with my dad who has gone along with this from the beginning. I, I told my parents a year ago at Christmas, um, it took my mum about uh, three minutes to come around. Um, she sort of went quiet. She... Um, cried a little bit and just said, you know, I'm, I don't want you to be giving up, which is everyone's first assumption. And I was like, it's, it's not even about that. Giving up. On love. Um, that's a parent's reaction, but I, I'd read a really wonderful, um, article before that that said you have to allow the people around you time to catch up to where you're at because you've been thinking about this for so long and your parents and your family and your friends, they have dreams for you as well of how they imagine your life will go. So you have to give them time. So I was kind of prepared for my parents to not come around for a while, but my mum's a real doer. And so she was just like, well, I'll have to, 
you know, take a few days off work and provide care for the child. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was kind of my mum's way of being like, I'm on board. Um, And then she just got progressively more involved, which is beautiful. And my dad was like, yeah, that sounds good, but hadn't really emotionally ticked in. So about six months ago when I was seriously thinking about going to the States, my dad took me out for dinner and halfway through dinner he just very matter-of-fact says, so in September I have arranged to take some time off work so I think that would be an appropriate month for us to go to New York and we can get the sperm and, um, you know, we'll make a holiday of it. And I was just like, oh my god, dad, (laughs) dad, so beautiful. and so that was his way of being like, I'm on board. Um, yeah, so it was looking like that. and um, But then it became a financial question of like, how many times will I need to get to America to get pregnant? Um, and it kind of, I have a new business here and spending that much time in the States seemed really challenging. And so I was kind of back to like, okay, Melbourne it is. This is what's in front of me. Um, uh, and that's very much my attitude always. Like, this is what's here I've I've asked for this thing and this is how it's falling together um and then by chance um I guess about three months ago my business partner from New York called me as we do just to catch up and chat about life and she's kind of known vaguely what's going on with that all along but um yeah she was kind of like oh are you still thinking about this donor thing and I'm like yeah I'm, I'm really close now like I'm thinking I'm going to start by the end of the year and um She's like, oh, you know, some of our staff are donor dads. So we have a art business in New York and we uh, have a lot of beautiful models that work for us. Um, and apparently a few of them are, are donor dads. Um, By the way, uh, we've had Kurt on the podcast. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't remember what episode he is, but he's one of the models, not the donor. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know he was a donor dad. No, 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 no not no. Kurt. Um, Just like, the meaning that if anyone's listened to that episode, it's the, the Artful Bachelorette where the the drawings um, for the bachelorette parties. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, so that's that's my beautiful business in New York. And um, and she's like, oh, I recently heard one of our, our younger models talking about he, how he wanted to be a donor dad. She's like, oh, you know when you get excited about Notion? She's like, he'd be great. He's so kind and smart and arty. And she's like, oh, and he's brown. You've always loved brown people. And that's, that's a real thing. Uh, I love brown people. <laughs> um, it's the truth. And she's like, oh, this this could be great. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, going along with it. Um, and I didn't really think much of it other than, like, I was enjoying her enthusiasm around it. Um, and then two weeks later, I get a phone call from her and she's like, I've spoken to um, the model and he, he's interested. And I'm like, okay. Um, I didn't realize this was real. She's like, of course it is. She's like, you know, you've got me in common. She's like, I'll be the godmom. Um, <laughs> she's like, just, you know, maybe have a chat, see if you get along. And she's like, but I think he's pretty busy next year. So you probably need to like get it happening in the next few months. And it was just like full steam ahead in Fleur's minds. Um, and so then I, uh, arrange for a Skype call that following Sunday. Were you nervous? So nervous. Okay. So, so nervous. Um, Like, what do you say? I don't know. What did you say? What did you say? Hi, you want to make a baby together? But you're not the dad. Let's be clear. (laughs) Um, 
yeah, I think we just jump straight into real deep connected chat, which is my favourite, yeah. um, probably how we connected. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and, and the people I'm close with, there was not much, like, you know, high-level stuff, but we very quickly, I, I think not too intentionally got to a really common set of values. We both um, really love kids. We both really believe in um, supporting families who, like, really want to have kids. Um, we believe both believed in kind of like letting the child of uh of a donor situation kind of lead the way because neither of us are a donor kids so we don't know what it feels like to not you know have a two active parents um he has two active parents I have two active parents um and so we just talked about what that setup might look like and I explained to him that you know in my view, it would just be me parenting and, and he would be a friend and I would be open to whatever that friendship that he might want. Um, and, yeah, he he was just kind of the same. He was like, I'd love to meet them a few times. I'd love to hear about what they're up to. I'm available to talk to them if they want to know stuff about me or the family. And it all just felt very, very easy. Um, and for me energetically just felt like we were really aligned with our views on the world we talked a lot about politics we talked a lot about um we both kind of got to this place where we both have a real thirst for like um creating business and um I guess creating the life that we want so he's kind of knows what he wants in life and is really going for it I know what I want in life going for it and that's a really important value for me um, to have that sort of shared ambition. Was there a few sort of questions that you just, that you kind of like, I just kind of need to know? Or, I mean, did you have a little list of things you, you really. wanted to ask him? I so you weren't kind of like, do you have a bachelor's degree? Uh, is there any health problems in your family? Did you do like the boring Not in that things? first chat. I think it was just a sense of... Just to I get think I really mind. wanted to know how his family would feel. Yeah. Um, obviously family's really important to me and, um... I needed to know that his family would support. I didn't want anyone kind of like shooting off to the side in coveted darkness, I think. You know, yeah. I didn't... I, from everything I've read, um, it seems like if there's any mystery, any unknowns, any uncertainty, that's where it can challenge the child. Whereas if it's all kind of just treated like it's normal and um, there's no mystery bags. Um, so I didn't want any like secrecy, I guess. Um, on his side. I guess that's a good, interesting point, even if the the child decides to go to New York and visit him and stuff and to then meet his, say, parents and they're like, we never agreed to you or yeah. something like that could yeah. be extremely yeah. d- damaging and yeah. confusing. Yeah. Um, so he said his parents were really supportive and he'd already gone through the motions of talking to them, which, like, for me, I thought... I was worried, I guess, he'd be this 20-year-old, 28-year-old kid, like like, doing this on a whim. Yeah. But for him... What a he, cool experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For him, it, he was quite a way through the mental process of it as well. Like, had very seriously been thinking about it, had been not as interested in anonymous donation, but was interested in, like, becoming a donor. So it was great how far down the path he was as mm. well. Um, and, yeah, I think, I think I was most worried about the race, ethnicity issue. 
because, well, it's not even an issue. It's probably a bad choice of words. Um, well, just because he's Hispanic and I am white as white. Um, so I, I was worried, like, culturally, how would I be able to, like, help my kid understand their Hispanic uh, ethnicity? Yeah. Because um, obviously I'm, you will feel it and, you know, it'll be part of who they are. Um, and I just didn't want to do it in a white way and be like, we'll learn Spanish together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which we probably will. But um, Wednesday's a Spanish night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, um, you know, so like I needed... What's Spanish food? Like what's a, what's a stereotypical... Like... Uh, I don't know, like rice and beans? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> See, I'm going to be terrible yeah. at this and this is why. I'm like fruit, like... I need some, I'm like, who are my Hispanic friends? Like, how can I, how can I give kid access to this part of their heritage? Um, and so I kind of just asked him about that and what he thinks I should do. And he's like, oh, I should be available, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I like to imagine a future where my kid has some sort of a relationship with their donor and that might be one of their access points. And I know that... The grandparents have, again, that's the only word to describe the genetic relationship between my kid and his parents. Donor grandparents, um, we need a whole new set of words and taxonomy. Um, But like uh, the the grandmother's Panamanian, the grandfather's Dominican Republican, like there's some beautiful heritage in there and and, and should my kid want to access that part of their their history, I would be all for it. Um, Really supportive. Um, but yeah, so we had great chats, um, probably about two hours, hung up the phone and just cried. Like, and I think it was just like joy tears, just like this huge relief that it would even be possible for me to have a relationship and it was only a two hour long relationship, but to know the person who is going to help create my kid, um, to respect them to like want to do that journey with them um and in the perfect balance of a relationship where he was someone I could talk to freely easily have access to but didn't want to be a co-parent didn't want to I didn't have to mesh into my life um it was just yeah it was just such a relief you know just all this risk taken out of um the anonymous donor situation and um, yeah, I think I was afraid of being too happy at that point, you know? Like, like it's all seeming too good yeah, right now. Yeah, it's all seeming too did, easy. Did you sort of end that phone call being like, all right, well, next steps? Like, had you, was that enough, was it clear on that phone call to be like, this obviously is, we're yeah. going to move forward with this? Yeah, well, we knew he had a timeline, so he's got some work coming up early in the new year, so I knew I had to make this happen within, I guess, three months it's been. Um, uh, and so, yeah the blood test started, we started chatting regularly. Um, and by regularly, I mean like the man's about to arrive on my doorstep and we've probably had five two hour chats. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a bit unusual. Um, and we're about to do this thing together. Um, did you, yeah. um, was there some, I have a feeling I would kind of half fall in love with them, <laughs> you know, like I, not, not really, but a bit. Because yeah. they're giving me, I don't know. Well, it's funny you mentioned at the start the sex thing because everyone goes there, especially my mum, who is the least sexy person I've ever known. Um, 
Oh, meaning have sex with them and yeah. that's how you get pregnant. Yeah, but less on the love thing. But yeah. she's like, everyone's like, well, are you just going to bang him? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't think so. Um, I don't know. That part seems all clinical to me. I also don't uh, think that just the one bang may do it. So it could be that, <laughs> you know, like... Well, because everyone knows he's one of my models from New York, so they know he's very attractive. Um, so uh, they're like, they're like, go for it. Get some action. Um yeah, I I have to have a relationship with this person for the rest of my life, so I, I don't know if that's on the cards for me. Um, I just don't want to make it weird. No. But I, um, we'll it, just see where it goes. But do I think I'll fall in love with him? Um, but do you know what I mean? I don't mean that... I, I don't really think you will fall in love with But I do yeah. think that there would be something that I would be very attracted to, just that this person is being so... That I, you know how you just said you were so happy and you yeah. felt so good, and that is because of of something that someone's willing to give as well, yeah. which just makes it a beautiful thing. Which I just feel like in my mind I'd be like, I'd be feel, feeling a little confused. Yeah, I don't know. Is it weird if I say I'm so in love already with the kid that he no. just doesn't even? I think it's great. He doesn't even like factor it. in. <laughs> yeah. Which is odd, because it's kind of going against biology, but, like, uh, my whole life I've dreamed about having a son who is brown called Arthur. Um, and, uh, yeah, I am getting a brown child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the donor has a name that's very similar to, to Arthur, Arthur yeah. which is, like, creepy. Yeah. And so... Uh, I don't know. I, so why is he coming out? What's the, the to get the the goods? Well, yeah. So I can get him to. We can have attempts on our own while he's here. So home insemination, um, no sexy times, turkey baster. Um, you can just do it at home. Yeah. So he'll just go in the next room, um, do his thing, and um, then I put it in a syringe and. Do your thing. And then the only person in this whole experience that told me that I need to orgasm was my acupuncturist. So I have, like, a team of specialists. I've been attending Melbourne IVF Clinic now since, like, six months ago. And it's all been very clinical. And then I go see this wonderful acupuncturist who helped my friend conceive, and he's like, you have to orgasm. Like, so your cervix, when you orgasm, does a sort of sucking motion and swizzles the sperm up into it. So... I, I can't believe that I'm then, if this doesn't work, I then go, so he was here, so he can donate at the Melbourne Clinic. Right. So I'll have a whole... Backup. Backup plan, so yeah. I can try several more times after. And so when I go into the clinic and um, get artificially inseminated, no one there is going to tell me to orgasm. And no one's going to give me time. And I think it's kind of this weird hypocrisy, because in a couple of rooms over, there's a bunch of dudes jerking off. <laughs> donating and I'm here trying to make a baby and you're not going to give me like 10 minutes to maz it out after you've inseminated me or even tell me that that's the thing I should do um but I, yeah it makes a lot of sense that you should it makes so much sense it's not me just like enjoying the sperm after like it's me actually trying to make a baby, baby and yeah. give it the best shot like so it kind of weirds me out no wonder so artificial insemination has a 15% chance of working which is effed um so 
apparently everyone has a fairly low chance of getting pregnant. Yeah, it's amazing I think it's like how 30% low it is. And yeah, there's so many babies in but the world. But you freeze the sperm and you artificially inseminate it and you're down to like 15%. So I'm pretty much staring down the barrel of IVF in my mind. But I, I just can't take on that chapter yet. I, I need to believe that this first crack or these next two How many times work. can you do the turkey baster? Well, I only have one ovulation cycle, so we can do it the whatever six days that you're so you fertile can do it for. Like one or two or three times every day. I think just once a day okay. for like that that sort of six to eight days. Have and you then... practiced the turkey base? Oh gosh, no. Um, there's really fancy contraptions you can buy, but they're really expensive. They're like one hundred fifty dollars, and you're like, am I getting scammed? Like, <laughs> or do I just need? Do a I turkey? just do I need a syringe? You know, like. So I'm really struggling. But at this point, I've spent all this money on getting this guy here. Yeah, pay the $150. Yeah, but then I'm just like, oh, I don't know. And you know that you're on your side, like you've planned this perfectly. Yeah, yeah. and I've done like, been getting healthy and like working out. I went up to Byron for two weeks on like a spiritual retreat. I'm like, I'm prepped. (laughs) I've got a massage booked for Friday so that I'm like, Feeling all good and in the zone. And have you um, kind of completely stopped dating during this whole time? Or what's the... Yeah. So, I've been dating, for sure. Um, Please tell me how you've explained this on a date. Well, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, so I'm bisexual. I explain it to the women because I know they'll get it. I don't touch it with the men. Um, so, yeah. And I was dating a girl for a while... Maybe three months ago, for a few months, and yeah, she was super supportive. Um, but yeah, I think something weird has happened to me. So I normally like have a very fierce appetite um, for sexual partners, and just the thrill of dating and like wooing over someone, and like you know, I love it all. I yeah. love the like. I love the new narrative. I love meeting someone. I love hearing their story. I love, like, imagining, you know, my, like, sharing a life with them. Um, their last name's your last name. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I have to say I've felt very unsexy the last few months. And I think it might be because I'm actually craving intimacy. I think my body is ready for, like, deep love and right. connected love. And so... When I've been dating, I've been wanting to get really deep and snuggly and a bit more connected than than just sexual experiences. Yeah. But it's also a really hard time for me to make myself really available to someone because... I feel like you're on a... It's a very personal journey that you're on right now. And a part of me, like, my brain goes to that you actually... Uh, how do I word it? It's a very, like, you need to be strong and independent because mm. you're about to embark on something that mm. that is really yours. And yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if you probably even have any energy or time for sort of... Yeah, it does just feel like a low priority for the yeah. first time in my life, you know? I think, I think I've been, like, very charged since I was, like, a kid, you know? So the charge is just refocused somewhere else, I guess. Um... But I also like to think that life is long and there's lots of chapters and 
there'll be other chapters where that becomes important again. But it's yeah. just not very important to me right now. I, I have this residual head fear. It's like not a body fear. It's like in my brain I'm like, but you might not have sex for like two years. Like, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> like go and get some while you can. And I've had a few nights out where I'm like trying and then as soon as I get intimate with someone, I'm like, oh, uh, just not feeling it. Um, so yeah, I think... I think I just need to go with it and sex will come when it's... How many people have said uh, to you, you'll probably end up finding someone now because it's not, like, high priority? Yeah, lots. And then, like, lots of people's stories of people, like how your hormones when you're pregnant secrete something that makes men go nuts and get really territorial and want to protect you and I'm like well they do not sound like my kind of guy then <laughs> like you know and like you guys were a really horny stage as well yeah and everyone's like you could just put on tinder that you're pregnant I'm like oh yeah I'll just attract all the freaks I love it how that sounds like when people say this like bonus <laughs> <laughs> I just um I don't know I don't know this is crazy that you could be you could be pregnant in a week yeah that is weird and I won't know for ages that's dumb as well. What? How many weeks? Like till your next period. So like, uh, like two to three weeks after. Ages. Just well, it's ages no, when you're like, am I pregnant? Yeah. You know, should I be lying still? So he's here <laughs> for ten days. Ten days. Um. Have you kind of funded this whole thing, like flying yeah. out here and yeah. yeah? And he's really cute. He um he speaks like a very calm New Yorker. He says things to me like, Sam, I know that I'm not here for a holiday. I'm here for you. And I'm like, (laughs) 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 you're so American. Um, But he's great. He's beautiful. And like, I'm like, okay, you're about to hear like awkward laughs for 10 days. And he's like, Sam, let's just face into this together. Okay. And I'm like, okay, mate. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a feeling we're going to have a very chilled few days. And I think like any New Yorker, they're just desperate to get away from the city for a breath. And so I think he's just going to make music and be his artistic self. And I will um, try and make a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you, like, just checking in? How are you, how are you just feeling? You're ready for this? Like, this, you're, like... Yeah, I think Is every day a little different? Like, I mean... It, it's all been so easy. I, like, know, I love it how you say that. Really, it's been five years of, like, coming... I mean... Yeah. Like, this... emotional journey to get here but the actual choice to become a solo parent to get a donor like that all just kind of fell in line yeah like I think it was you know just the right time for me which must be so uh, lovely and confirming that you are making the right decision as well yeah yeah and it's just um just feels right just feels ready I mean I went away to this spiritual retreat because I was legitimately worried I was repressing feelings, you know? Like, I haven't ever sat and done that cry. Like, I feel like I should be crying out all these, like, sense of being, like, left on the shelf and, like, alone and, like, not doing it with so... Like, I keep waiting for these, like, emotional hiccups and they just haven't come. Yeah. So, um, I think that means I'm okay. I no, hope. I think... <laughs> Also, if you, I even if you did have someone sitting next to you that you two were going through this together, you would have your, your, mm. 
personal journey. Yeah, well, you'd also be like, fuck, am I going to be a good parent? Can I do this? Like, none of, there's also all just the natural things of yeah. having a child as well. Yeah, I just, I just feel ready. I just, it's the piece that is, it's not missing, but it needs to be filled. It's ready, I'm ready for that journey to be a mum. I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> and this is probably the main thing I got to when I really thought about having a kid. I like, I've been very professionally driven for the last 15 years and um, and I'm bored, you know? And I'm like, how do I feel the next yeah. 30, 50 years without the entertainment of a little me being a retard? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need that comic humour yeah. in my life, you know? Like, whether they're actually funny or, like, I reckon I'll have, like, a super serious kid... <laughs> Like, and that'll just be funny, and I'll get to laugh at it with my family and be like, look at my serious kid. <laughs> How did I get the serious one? Well, um, um, yeah. I'm just going to end this with saying Essie is a wonderful name. Uh, you can always be like, when people go, what? And you're like, just like the nail polish, like there's a, no- there's a lovely like reference to the name. <laughs> Come in all different colours. Yeah, maybe the middle uh, name can be like bubblegum pink. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, so it's just endless. Uh, Great. Hey, uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Well, you I finally shared. did it. You <laughs> shared. <laughs> Essie's Hour of Love is produced by Essie Czar, Grace Taylor, and Nancy Pappas, with sound editing and theme music by Jimmy Linville. Always a special thanks to our guests who are willing to share their intimate stories.